unusual and un uncertain times in the last, you know, eight or nine months. It's been it's been a pretty interesting, pivotal time, and we've been right there with the news, making sure that you know what's going on here in Sitka. So speaking of local news, I'm going to throw it to Aaron Fulton, our morning news host, to, to bring us the local and regional coverage uh, that you've come to depend on. You're listening to Raven Radio KCAW Sitka. When, when Aaron finishes, we'll come back and, and have some more thank yous and talk a little bit more about, about Raven Radio. It is currently 10 minutes before the hour. Today is Tuesday, December 8th, 2020. There are only five items on the docket when the Sitka Assembly meets tonight. It will consider increasing the budget for the Brady Lift Station rehab project by around $400,000. The Brady Lift Station is responsible for pumping all sewage north of Brady Street to the wastewater treatment plant on Japonski Island. According to a memo from Public Works Director Michael Harmon, much of the lift station equipment is outdated and requires excessive maintenance. Rehabbing the infrastructure is expected to cost just over $1 million. In other business, the Assembly will consider appointing Margie Esquiro to the term on the Sitka Library Commission and Cecilia de Michelle to the Health Needs and Human Services Commission. The group will also discuss the CARES Act Working Group's progress. The Sitka Assembly meets at 6 p.m. tonight. Raven News will broadcast the meeting live following Alaska News Nightly. The Alaska State Troopers are suspending the search for two Haines residents who went missing after a massive landslide destroyed their home on Beach Road. Local business leader David Simmons and his tenant, Janae Larson, a kindergarten teacher in town, have been missing since Wednesday's landslide on Beach Road. Alaska State Trooper Nick Zito is the incident commander for the search. He said the weather has been a huge impediment. They have been able to fly over the slide of the debris pile and comb the beaches, but the slide has been too unstable to search on foot. The state troopers who were in Haines as ground searchers left by boat on Monday. One sergeant with the troopers will stay in town and help with disaster relief. New evidence or information could change things, but for now, the search is over. The Alaska Department of Public Safety has added Simmons and Larson to the Alaska Missing Persons Clearinghouse list. More wet weather is in the cards across southeast Alaska this week as the region struggles with record rainfall that brought destructive landslides and some flooding. The National Weather Service said on Monday that the warm air is trailing off, leading to cooler temperatures later this week. Juno-based meteorologist Jonathan Souk says the next weather system isn't likely to bring the kinds of heavy rain and high winds that brought down power lines and strained dams throughout the region. Right now we're not seeing anything in the forecast that would suggest that we're going to have anything nearly as strong as what we were seeing last week. But he says the computer models used by forecasters are not in alignment with how the next week will play out. He says there are as many as 100 different models used to predict the weather. And when we see a, a large spread between what the models are, are saying could happen, that decreases our confidence that any one particular model has it right. Souk says it's important that people continue to watch for weather updates and prepare accordingly. Especially as we go into these, these wet, uh, stormy months, and I know that it's been going on for a while here, especially with what summer was. But, you know, the best thing people can do is stay informed and current with the weather. Temperatures are forecast to drop below freezing midweek. That means there could be snow mixing with rain, leading to hazardous driving conditions. Water levels at the lower Ketchikan Lake Dam have fallen enough that local officials no longer anticipate a risk of dam failure. Officials said Sunday morning that residents who evacuated low-lying areas near Ketchikan Creek over the weekend can now return to their homes. As KRBD's Eric Stone reports, that's after the dam reached near record levels Saturday evening. 
It was the wettest week in a century in Ketchikan. And that's saying something. Ketchikan is already among the wettest cities in the U.S. Alaska climate researchers say nearly 20 inches of rain fell on the southeast Alaska city between November 29th and December 5th. Expand that to an eight-day window, and it's almost two feet of rain. All that water pushed a reservoir upstream of town to near-record levels, just over an inch shy of the all-time record set in 2015. And that concerned local officials enough to recommend that people living near the creek get to higher ground. So we have two areas that we're concerned about. One is the actual dam, but more importantly is uh, the low-lying places along the creek. That's Ketchikan Public Utilities Electric Division Manager Andy Donato speaking Saturday evening. His agency maintains the lower Ketchikan Lake Dam. Three feet of water were flowing from an ungated emergency spillway. Ketchikan Creek was ripping through town. The alert went out. Parts of downtown and areas near the creek were told to evacuate. Officials stood up a shelter at the borough-owned rec center. Donato said he feared accumulating debris could flood low-lying areas. It doesn't take much to start plugging that up, and then, and then we can see flood conditions develop rapidly. But the larger concern was a possible dam failure. Ketchikan Emergency Manager Abner Hogue said that would mean widespread devastation. In a dam break scenario, which is the worst case scenario, the, that would be a 22,000 cubic foot per second release. We have 115 residential structures, 43 commercial structures, and seven government structures. Officials warned that lake levels of 351 feet could damage the dam. Three feet higher at 354 feet and water would spill over the earthen top of the structure. But as of noon Sunday, officials said it likely won't get to that point anytime soon. Heavy rains have let up slightly. Utility crews ran the dam's hydroelectric generators overnight to let water out from behind the structure, and the lake level crested at 350.1 feet shortly after 7 p.m. Saturday. Officials lifted the voluntary evacuation Sunday morning. While they warned of minor street flooding, they said there was no immediate danger of dam failure. But they said they're standing by, and they said residents should stay alert too. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. Located on a remote island in southeast Alaska, Petersburg hasn't seen a major outbreak of COVID like many other communities. The local nursing staff at the Petersburg Medical Center is experiencing some work changes, but administrators say they haven't had the burnout like in other areas of the state, at least not yet. KFSK's Angela Denning reports. PMC employs about 25 nurses. Most of them work in the hospital and long-term care. There are also more in the clinic, home health, wound care, and working on the COVID hotline. Nurse manager Jennifer Briner says nursing today is like it's always been in that their job is still taking care of people. However, there have been some changes, such as working in just one place. Many of PMC's nurses are cross-trained so they can work in different areas, but that's not happening now. That's been a little bit difficult because we really enjoy working with each other and learning from each other. Um, and just interacting throughout the day. And, and so right now, we, we rarely, if ever, see the staff that is working in the department that we're not in. Since nurses can't cover more than one area, it has meant more hours than normal for some. They're relying more on on-call nurses to step in. 
They also need more hands on deck working with any COVID patients. Another challenge is Petersburg's geography. One of the most difficult things for us is that we live on this wonderful island and we have a very, very limited pool of nurses. So um, our ability to flex up for needing a lot of extra staff is very limited. The resources to take care of multiple really sick patients requiring a lot of nursing care would be very, very difficult. So far, so good in Petersburg. As of the time of this story, there had been only one active case in town the last week and 36 total cases since the pandemic began. Medical Center CEO Phil Hofstetter calls the local situation lucky, with residents doing well preventing the virus from spreading. But the possibility of an outbreak is always on his mind. He knows staff burnout is a possibility. It's a legitimate concern, and it's difficult enough to to work around this uh, virus and do all the processes and the policies and protocols. But adding in the element of an outbreak and a spread just um, exponentially adds to that stress. Nurse burnout in other areas of the state is already a real problem. As Jared Cosen puts it, Healthcare workers have been in a pandemic mode for nearly a year. It's just been a, a series of ups and downs, and I think that goes all the way back to February, at least. Kosin is the president and CEO of the Alaska State Hospital and Nursing Home Association. Our healthcare heroes are heroes, no doubt, but um, they're also human, and I think people are tired. He says he hears about burnout through regular check-ins with hospitals and nursing homes around the state. It's not only the stress on the job that gets to them, but outside of work, too, especially for those working directly with COVID patients. You know, we have these people literally putting their lives lives on the line in a highly stressful environment, trying to save people and experiencing loss, seeing the effects of COVID with their own eyes. And then they go home after their shift to hearing people uh, in their community question whether it's even real. As the leader of healthcare in Petersburg, Hofstetter says he keeps tabs on what's going on around the state, and he tries to keep an optimistic attitude. I try to stay positive as much as possible, and I try to put positive messaging out there as much as possible. I also try to keep things very basic and very simple. My messaging has always been keeping a distance. The mask is really important, certainly, and then testing. Those are just the three basics. Only time will tell if Petersburg can keep cases down. In the meantime, Hofstetter and other Petersburg Medical Center staff will continue to communicate with the public weekly about COVID. They take questions and comments on a live KFSK radio show every Friday afternoon. In Petersburg, I'm Angela Denning. And taking a real quick peek at the community calendar. The Alaska Native Brotherhood and Sisterhood announced that the